has COVID got you down? Has the lockdown been a little bit more intense than expected? Do you now have to deal with screaming kids and screaming bosses and screaming coworkers on top of yourself screaming the life out of your self? If this sounds like you, well then, I'm fucking sorry, because right now we're going to talk about all kinds of crazy other shit at Son of a Pitch. You're listening to Son of a Pitch with Michael Koenka. I'm Michael Koenka, here for your entertainment pleasure. Your ears will thank me, your brain will want to date me, and the rest of you is just coming along for the ride. So let's get that ride sorted. Keep your hands and feet in the ride at all times. Safety belts fastened. And let's get a crack in. How's it going, guys? Great to have you back. Thanks for stopping by today, or at least for the next little while. We're going to get a little intimate. Not necessarily where your mind has wandered towards and I cannot fault you for that but no I want to want to share a little story maybe a couple stories I think you might be able to borrow some ideas from them when I was when I was pretty young like maybe I want to say anywhere between eight and ten. I used to collect comic books. I still kind of do. And uh, I would go for I would go out all the comic conventions. I'd pick up like first editions. I got some like really snazzy Magneto comic books. I got like a reprint of the first Iron Man, which was freaking cool. One of the things, and one of the seminal things happened to me in the comic book world growing up, as most people might know, is the the death of Superman. That was intense. Superman was my hero. I mean, I did dip into the DC world a little bit. Batman's the shit. Spider-Man, you know, those kind of kids. But the thing is, Superman was like... Superman. And partially because, in uh, so in Canada they have these uh, commercials and movies. They used to have these commercials and movies. A part of our heritage, and one of them was of a guy leaving on a train, drawing, sketching uh, a, the cartoon of Superman. And then it cuts, and it's sort of like it goes like it's, uh, it's part of our heritage, basically saying that Superman is uh, has been conceived of or something as a by a Canadian, which was always cool. But the point is, is back to the comic conventions, is that I would always pick up these sealed copies. There was like four or five different copies of The Death of Superman. There was different versions and iterations. And part of being a collector is you don't really take the... uh, You don't take the comic books out of the bags or or anything. You 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 don't mess with any of that. Because, you know, the moment you do, it loses its value. So, I picked up a bunch of these, and one of the things that I saw next to the table 
was like a paperback reprint of all the different versions. I was like, score, right next to that, sealed in a bag, cellophane bag as the comic books were usually sealed in, was the origin of Wolverine. And Wolverine is by far one of my absolute favorite comic heroes. I mean, Superman's great, but in this instance, he just serves as a long-winded segue into the notion of the origin. So just as the death of Superman included an era of awesome comic bookery and introduced new iterations and new versions on classic heroes, the... I guess the ironic juxtaposition of the Death of Superman comic books near or next to the book on the origin of Wolverine is what kicked things off. And <clears throat> so in that case, anyway, so I picked it up. I loved it. It's, it's by far one of my favorite stories. The origin of Wolverine is the shit. Again, another Canadian awesomeness. Logan goes uh, all up in that Kanakistani delightfulness. Um, and so, origins, from like, the death of Superman to the origin of a leading figure, of a, of a character that has enough grit and edge, but still is just enough of a team player to bring everyone into a new space of awe and delight. Wolverine's the shit. Anyway, so my the whole thing that I want to get to here is origin stories. They've played such a seminal role in how I understood the world. And, you know, growing up, going through Cégep, which is college in, in Quebec, Montreal, where I'm from, I broke into reading about Descartes, and what always interested me about Descartes was the the fact that he essentially locked himself away and rebuilt his own reality around him. I think that also had a little bit of work done by... Uh, opium or whatever fucking drugs that man was on because he, he's bound to have been on a shit ton of drogas but uh, the notion that you can recreate your own reality you can define the space around you blew my mind and all these different realizations about the self you know throughout throughout school and university and, and even till today made me think recently about the origin story of why I do what I do and why it doesn't feel like work when I get to do it. And this is, wow, this is, this goes back. This goes way back. Hang on, let me... 
Take a little sip skis of my agua. I gotta stay hydrated. You know, I tell you guys to stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. By the way, stay hydrated. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, that water's disgusting. Oh, I need to clean that fucking bottle. Um. Oh, okay. Might have the whiskey sooner than later. But. Origin stories. And in particular, my origin story. It's like five, five years ago, maybe six, where I was working as an executive at a advertising firm called Curiosity. I was in strategy. I was the guy that came up with the programs and the plans and did the research and the, and the work and stuff like that. And, uh, Curiosity, fucking brilliant name. And we had an investor in a company crew called uh, Maker Street, I think. I don't even think it was affiliated. Anyway, so one of the investors in the in the company came up to me one day and he says, "You know what? You know what? I'm like, what? What yours? Tell me, tell me what." He says, uh, Michael, every time, every time I, uh, I talk to you, it sounds like you're pitching. It feels like you're pitching. And I'm like, well, we're a startup. So, yeah, you bet your sweet bibbies. I'm going to be pitching for uh, all the work I can get for the company. And that way, grow my role. And go, uh, go global. Take over the world, chicos. And uh, he's like, "Do you wanna, do you wanna come with me and teach some companies how to do that?" And so they had these innovation labs, if you will. And they ran a bunch of workshops, getting people to come up with brand new ideas, and then present them to the board in some sort of final demo day, but like an internal demo day. And uh, one of my first gigs with them was either with ABN Amro, which is a large Dutch bank here, or Sanoa Media, which is a large media conglomerate here. You know, magazines and TV channels and shows and stuff like that. Either way, at... No, it was Sanoa Media. That's right. So I get there to Sano Media. I arrive. He's like, well, you know what? Meet me on Friday at uh, B Amsterdam, which is a cute little workspace here in the, in the south of Holland. And uh, meet me there on Friday morning at 9 o'clock. Grab a seat. And maybe help other people to present their ideas better. Say, like, sure. Why not? Rocked up Friday morning. Almost like a rock star kind of thing. Went to the the desk. Was like, I'll have an espresso. Put it on the tab of uh, of the uh, the accelerator. Thank you so much. And then went down, sat down to in front of the stage. Had my coffee. Opened up my book. And uh, in walks Magda. 
this, I don't know, early 30-something Polish woman, tall, skinny, somewhat confident, still had an air of not being totally sure of herself, introduces herself, says, hey, I'm Magda, like, cool. Like, are you the pitch coach? Are you the coach for today? And I'm like, well, I am today. You know, because yesterday I was a, I was a strategist. Today, I guess I'm, uh, I'm your pitch coach. So let's, uh, let's have a look. And we went through all kinds of exercises over the course of two days, a couple of hours together. Um, Magda was the type of person that would get really, really, really nervous in presentations. She would start shaking. She would hate giving them. In fact, she became better at avoiding presentations and passing them off to someone else to do it, or someone else to do it. But that was more of like, that, that became her skill. That was her skill set. Ditching and diving, fucking like presentations, like the Matrix styles. Ooh, look at that PowerPoint. You know, like crazy fucking Neo styles. Anyways, so she hated presenting. Make matters even worse, the woman, like the another woman on her team, was her fucking boss. So she couldn't rehearse, and she felt like she was being examined and everything. And what was unfortunate about all these nerves and anxieties is that her idea that she was trying to present and 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 pitch to the board was a beautiful one. It was a concept that was to help students in uh, remote locations and underdeveloped, underserved locations to still, like little kids, to still have access to education. To do it in a fun and exciting and psychologically proven to be helpful kind of way. It was really cool. And uh, it's just unfortunate that she always got really nervous when she presented. So we did things like walking out, uh, went for walks, had a, had a conversation about the ideas, asked some key questions. And I, I have a couple of questions I like to ask people about their origin stories, and getting into the angles of their raison d'être. And uh, got back, I looked up online, uh, this is funny. So it was, uh, the event actually, the demo day was, was taped as well. And, uh, so I stood behind the camera and I got this like fat Sharpie and looked up online how like on translate or whatever. I looked up how to say, uh, you're doing great in Polish. And I held that sign up behind the, uh, the camera for her when she was talking and it was, it was pretty cool. It was like a little one, one man in Canadian cheer squad, you know? Didn't even bring my pom-poms. I was just like, yeah, you got this. It's nice to cheer people on. Um, and so Magda aced it, I think. I think she did great. And, you know, then uh, the other people I trained went up. Equally awesome. Uh, lots of great ideas. We go upstairs, all of us. Uh, there's this sort of like 
closing drinks. And we go on the rooftop, which is still under construction. There's like beams and all kinds of stuff everywhere. Totally raw. And uh, Anna pulls me aside. You know, as I'm scalding my, the roof of my mouth with like these croquettes that they serve, bitterball, which is like, it's part of tradition. So everyone who comes to the Netherlands, make sure you burn your mouth on a, on a bitterball or two. You can quote me on that. Um, <laughs> burn your mouth on a bitterball. Um, pulls me aside. She's like, Michael, I have to thank you. She's like, in tears. And I'm wondering uh, what, what, what happened here, you know? She's like, I have to thank you. You've taught me how, for the first time in my life, how to present in front of people with confidence. And now I want nothing more to do that all the time. I called my husband up and gave him tips on how he can do it too. He's a teacher and he's he loves them. He loves your advice that you gave me. And uh, together we're doing great and we really pre I really appreciate it. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I'm ridiculously terrible at taking compliments. I just stand there and I'm just like, so thank you. You know, what do you do? Just, I guess you just say thank you. You know, and then I flip it usually, and I'm like, "Wow, you're doing great. It was mostly you, and you did all the work and stuff." I'm just so bad at taking compliments. Anyways, so she comes up and she says that all that really great stuff, and I, I came home, and my wife turns to me and says, "You know, for the first time in years, years, you've come back from a job more energized than you left." And it seems like you're really freaking digging this. Maybe there is something to it. Maybe you got something. And then I pitched myself into a couple other gigs that were similar. Those converted. Bigger than expected. Made some ridiculous deals. Afterwards that were just like... This is almost like stupid money. You know, there's, I have this thing... Sometimes when... When people, I have a feeling that some contractors give you a fuck you price. It's like, they don't want to work with you, but they're going to give you a price that's like, you know, if you're going to pay this, you're going to be like so much of an asshole and pay this crazy amount of money, then fuck, I'll do it. You know, like for a $20 gig, they'll ask for like a thousand bucks. No one's going to do that. You can be like, fuck you, a thousand bucks for that. If you want to pay it, you're like, well, okay, well, fuck me. So <laughs> I'll take your money. Thank you. Um, anyhow, the Magda story, the Yoris seeing that I got a little pitch in me and connecting me with these organizations that led to other friendships that blossomed afterwards. I met some really great people at Sanima, uh, some really amazing people at AB and AMRO that I'm still friends with and still in touch with today. And it's, uh... I guess that's it. It's that... Yeah, I'm still friends with these guys and these women. They're great people. They're fun, intelligent, 
challenging, amazing people that I guess all it really takes is just making that leap of faith, taking that leap of faith, seeing what, uh, what you might enjoy. And that whole origin story, whenever people ask me about, you know, what is a really great origin story, what, what really goes into telling people about why you do what you do, for me, it's something that's deeply personal. It's something that's very raw and real. You know, me being able to see Magda in tears of joy, shaking because she was so grateful, because of something that, you know, to be honest with you, for me, it felt like nothing. It was effortless. It's just shit I knew when I'm like, well, this seems obvious. It's this over here it's like people freaking out when like you have it's, it's, it was just easy for me and it felt like nothing which is which is great and then i got to come home and feel amazed and energized and happy about the work i did having helped someone you know i realize i may not be i'm not, I'm not elon musk i'm not going to invent reinvent or Come up with a, some sort of game-changing shit. But I'll sure as shit be the biggest fucking cheerleader of the person who does, or the people trying to. You know, I'm fine helping great people do great things. There's greatness in that, I think. I don't know. It could be rambling. It's fucking late. But that's my, uh, those are my thoughts. I mean, origin stories are an interesting way for founders and new startups, uh, even, you know, executives that want to connect with their audience on a meaningful level. Finding that moment in your life that you can then connect with what your company is doing or trying to do. That's what makes for a great origin story. Being able to be real and raw and vulnerable, you know, like feeling, I guess I, I might've been a little bit nervous. I, I, I was, I was myself a little anxious that I didn't know what I was doing or that people would be like, well, this is obvious shit. Why are we paying for it? But. Like, I guess what was obvious for me, and granted for some people I know, wasn't obvious for everyone. And that was a unique skill set, and I decided to capitalize on it. And that's blossomed into something pretty, pretty fun. And all that, at the end of the day, all I'm trying to say is that being able to tell a great origin story is only possible or is probably more impactful when 
It exposes a part of who you are and helps others identify with the nerves, the anxieties, the trepidation, the, the feelings and emotions that you experienced. Granted, maybe I could have given the origin story more of a more color, more depth, I could use more flowery words that would emphasize and help your brain focus on different emotional responses and reactions. Uh, I could have played around with that, but you know, to be honest with you, I just wanted to, I wanted to have a nice little chat, get nice and intimate, and share, you know, what got me started on all this. It's nothing crazy, no sort of revelatory situation here. This is probably going to be a drop in the bucket in a list of pitch-related conversations. But that's, uh, that's why I think origin stories, for the most part, are pretty freaking awesome. They're not for every circumstance. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't use an origin story in like a huge auditorium. Although, you can argue that things like uh, some famous comedians stand up and get really raw and real about themselves in front of hundreds of millions of people. So I can see that, but I guess if you're pitching or if you're talking about your business, origin stories are really good when you have this kind of intimate connection with your audience when you have this conversation like what we have right now I'm talking to you about these origin story concepts that I was thinking about I'm in your ears I'm in your head anyhow you gotta pick your times well all I'm trying to say is you gotta pick your, your moments you know don't dive into telling people about your personal problems or your challenges or your obstacles, whatever, when you've just met them, or you're at some sort of like a an event or like a like a drink or whatever, or business event or something like that. And that's one thing I learned the hard way here. Sometimes people are extremely honest when you ask them what they're doing or what's up with them. Like, hey, how you doing? How's it going? Like, oh, my cat died. And uh, I need to have my spleen uh, operated on, and all this like TMI shit. When you you just all all I was looking for is a fine thanks. You, and I'm like okay, fine, good thanks. We can continue on. But like the, when they actually answer, sometimes you're just like shit. Well, I fucking asked that. Um, well, I hope your spleen gets better, and the rest of your country music song sounding life uh, improves. Like hope it. Yeah. Anyhow, rambles aside, origin stories are great tools to get people to learn more about what makes you tick and why you do what you do. And my origin story was something I thought I wanted to share. Hope you dug it. I'll see you in a bit.
Today's episode was brought to you by Insomnia, where saying stupid shit into a microphone late at night might seem like a good idea. Just kidding, you've been listening to Son of a Bitch with Michael Cuenca. I am Michael Cuenca as you knew it, because you're smart like that. So go on and keep doing more smart things like smashing that subscribe button and telling all your friends, your bromigos, your shimigos, your all amigos, your friends, your cousins, your relatives, everyone, to do the same. And I will love you for it. Or be forced to delete your Facebook account. Just saying. Don't forget to stay happy, to stay healthy, and stay hydrated. And give zero fucks what people think. Catch you next time. Have a good one.